0: Hello, you're listening to Sending the Experts with Georgina Durrant. This podcast is all about teaching and supporting children and young people with special educational needs and disabilities, SEND. My name is Georgina Durrant. I'm the host of this podcast brought to you by Twinkle SEND. SEND. As a former teacher in Senko myself, I wanted to create a platform to share some of the amazing things that my guests are doing to support learners of SEND. So, whether you're listening on your commute, tuning in whilst walking your dog, or curled up on the sofa with a nice cup of coffee, thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, I am delighted to be joined by Ginny Bootman. In her own words, Ginny has been teaching longer than she hasn't. I love that, by the way. Um, She has been a head teacher, senior manager. And class teacher teaching all ages in the primary age range. She is currently Senko of four primary schools in Northamptonshire. She believes in the mantra, follow the empathy road, and embodies this in everything she does. She has spoken nationally at the National SEN Conference as well as NASEN Live. She collaborates with both primary and secondary Senko's by working alongside them to support them in what we all know can be a very demanding role. She has had her book published, Independent Thinking on Being a Senko, which can be found at Crown House Publishing. And it's brilliant. I've read it. It's fabulous. Hello, Ginny. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And I have my cup of tea. So, yeah, I I am sorted. Um, Anyway, so could you tell us a little bit more about your background, Ginny, and in particular, why you became a Senko? What led you to being a Senko?
1: Yeah when i think back to when i first started teaching and i look back i had um an affinity to children with additional needs which i didn't realize at the time because it was it was it was what i did it was it was part of what i was as a class teacher and those little things that i did i now realize paved the way for me becoming a senco and then I became a head teacher, and as part of that role, I also became the special needs coordinator. And it all started to, kind of, all the pieces started to fit into the jigsaw. And then
0: I've carried
1: on with that that
0: Senco role since. Brilliant. That must have been a tough role, being a head teacher and a Senco. That's like I was yeah, two jobs in one. Yeah, I was a head teacher,
1: Senco. Um, 50% class teacher so lots lots of balls to juggle I think we'll say.
0: Yes absolutely it sounds like it so we're hoping to do two podcasts on the role of the Senko because it is such an important topic and such a big topic so in this episode just for our listeners we're going to focus more on this sort of day-to-day role time management and the importance of developing and maintaining good homeschool relationships because I know that's, that's Ginny's sort of speciality. Um, so if we start with the day-to-day being a senko what for somebody who isn't a senko what does your day to day work entail now i appreciate yours is slightly different because you're a senko for a few schools but being a senko what does the work entail so it can change from day to
1: day um but i like to be in the classroom with the children and with the teachers so that i can support them and give a different viewpoint and give ideas to staff and they're always ideas that people decide whether it will work in their classroom setting or not yeah I have lots of meetings as you can imagine I have meetings with staff I have meetings with parents I have lots of meetings with parents and those meetings are so important yeah and I have lots of meetings with outside agents and i do send a lot of emails and not and not receive back as many as i would like often georgina to be honest but <laughs> yeah, so it i plan out my days and my weeks carefully so that so i use my time really wisely but i like to get a mixture of um office work and then being in the classrooms as well i think that's really important for any senco that we do get what i call yum yum time that's when we're with the children
0: oh I love that absolutely yeah because otherwise you're just in an office and you're not seeing everybody and you can easily feel distance from it can't you if you're not if you've not got your hands in and you're doing you're not in the classroom so what would your favorite part of being a SENCO be then it is when I get to be with the children yeah. and so <laughs> um
1: as a SENCO sometimes we can feel very drained by um often by the amount of paperwork that we have to do we have so many referrals that we have to do and I get to a point often where I'm like actually I need to stop doing this paperwork and I need to go and I need to be around children so um, I I go into classes I join in with with lessons and just become part of the lesson and then sometimes I go into preschool and I love it because they go oh the staff mrs bootman's here it's (laughs) time to lead us sing along so then i i i I just i i love being in there and singing with the children and being with the children and it that is my favorite part alongside you know those light bulb moments when you're talking to a child or you're talking to a member of staff or you're talking to a parent and suddenly the, the the dots join yeah and between us all we come up with something that will help that child that we couldn't have come up with by ourselves and they are the they are the light bulb moments that bring
0: me joy really yeah yeah absolutely oh yeah I can I can completely see that what about the most challenging then which bits don't you like so much
1: um I think it's very difficult when we send emails out and they don't and people don't respond. And yes. talking to many senkos, um, this seems to be a common common occurrence. So that is quite challenging. I think prioritising. Mm-hmm. So I talk about triaging our time. I think we think we're going to do something one day. And then we get that email that comes in, or we have that conversation with somebody and actually something else takes priority. And we just have to go, okay, shoulders down. I will just have to change what I'm doing because of the need as it presents itself now.
0: Yeah, I used to find that really hard. I'd have my day planned. And then a child would come into the office at 8.30 in the morning and you knew, and rightly so, that day would have to change because that child needed a different way of support and something needed to change that day and you would have to sort that, which you wanted to do. But then you look back and you're like, oh no, but what about, how am I going to then organise all of that? And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing your advice on this because that is something that honestly I found really difficult was prioritising tasks, working out when to do things and yeah, what should come over priority and how to work out, how to do the mountain of jobs that you've put to one side because something else has happened, I think is, is really, really tricky. So, have you been a class teacher whilst you're being a Senko? Have you done the two together? Because I know a lot of people who are listening who are Senkos are doing the Senko role whilst being a classroom teacher. Yeah. So, um, I was the head teacher of the Senko and teaching at one
1: point. Okay. Yeah. And then I had my son and chose not to be a head teacher anymore and became a class teacher and the Senko. Brilliant. and it is so challenging when you're a class teacher as well because often people have Wednesday afternoon to do their their special needs work and it is very, very limiting um, because um, people can't all have a meeting with you on the Wednesday afternoon yeah and and so I'm very fortunate in the flexibility of my current role that I can have meetings with staff when it suits them, you know, and sometimes I do if people choose to have meetings with them in their in their PPA time or, you know, there is a flexibility which is so important for the well-being of everybody. Also with parents, if I can give them that flexibility of having a meeting, so it used to have to be either Wednesday during school time. Or because I worked three days a week—Wednesday, Thursday, Friday—and we had a staff meeting on a Wednesday, I had to oversee PE on a Thursday, so it had to be after school on a Friday. And people would say, "Oh, Ginny," and I'd say, "Well, That's you know, a- to give parents the option of a school within um, uh, a meeting within school time or out of school time—that was my—that was my choice, and that was fine with me. So I think it is very limiting, and also with regard to training often training is not just on a wednesday afternoon yeah. so and to try and move it move your teaching onto another day you are then inconveniencing other people yeah. and if you're a job share to ask your job share to move that isn't fair either so i i have been there and i've found it so so very difficult And also, it's really important that we get to observe children. Mm -hmm. So if we have only got, and I'm saying a Wednesday afternoon, if we've only got a Wednesday afternoon that Brian finds literacy very challenging, and he doesn't have that on a Wednesday afternoon, once again, it's so difficult to be able to see that child when someone's saying, Ginny, can you just come in with a different set of eyes. So it's really, really challenging. And I've I've been there and
0: I did find it
1: really, really difficult.
0: I had mine was my Friday afternoon. So I think I had the first two lessons I was teaching and then I had the rest of the Friday to do my Senkoing, which again, and Fridays, you can imagine nobody wants to meet with you. Like you said, Friday after school, no one would want to meet on a Friday afternoon either. And pretty much all children find Friday afternoon last lesson tricky anyway. So you're not even seeing a true picture of the children. So I completely get what you're saying about that. And and the bit that really resonated with me was when you said about inconveniencing people because I would feel the same if I if I was letting a class down by having to have a meeting to do with being a senko. then it would mean that somebody was having to cover my class and I was letting the kids down in that class as a result of that. So it's such a balancing act. And I think you do feel like you're letting people down and not doing a good job of either things. Yeah 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 it's it's kind of what
1: what am i what am i dropping and what am yeah. i keeping hold of in the in the the juggling of the job
0: yeah yeah what would your tips be then for balancing all of these things whilst being a senko so i think to
1: compartmentalize your work so when it is your um senko time that you make sure you do senko work then and that you are very clear to others around you this is my senko time this is my only time you know um and it's for you to make yourself politely unavailable you know when we're filling in paperwork we're doing a referral and then people come and see you and you're like i'm really in the zone i'm in the flow you know so um I always say to Senkos, consider asking um, head teachers if you can work off site sometimes. It's a good idea. And people say, Am I allowed? And I say, Look, if you ask, they may say yes and they may say no. But if you don't ask, you will never know. So I think, you know, and people, when, when I do talks, people, there's a sharp intake of breath and people go, oh, Really? You know, another one is, If you're having meetings with members of staff why not consider have that meeting off-site once again there's always a sharp intake of breath (laughs) are are we allowed and I say once again ask the ask these questions because if we don't ask them then we'll never know the answer and I think a meeting off-site can be so much more fruitful because you haven't got the distractions of school life so i think i think that's really important i also think um transparency with your head teachers to say actually this is what i can get done on my wednesday afternoon or this is what i have got done not not for them to monitor you but for you to be transparent and say this is what I can get done. Because I get a lot of Senko saying, I haven't got enough time. I can't get it done. I'm doing it in my own time. So I say, well, track your time. Yeah. Just keep for a week or two weeks a record of how long things
0: take. That's so one yeah, I was just thinking that's a really good idea because through no fault of the, their own, if, if the head teacher hasn't been a Senko, then they might not be aware of how much work you're doing and how much extra time you're doing at home and how much things are actually taking. Yeah, and, you know, not yeah. through their fault, but and yeah, it's important to let them know and make them aware. And they'll you know if they're a good head teacher, they'll want to know this and want to support you.
1: And another thing that I think is a good thing to consider is um, sharing with your head teachers. Um, the paperwork that has to be filled in for a referral and I think that's really um grounding and people go oh my goodness yeah. another another top tip I would have is um saying to your head teacher the next um RSA I do for an EHCP I'd like you to sit down with me and let's do it together and then it's like oh all right this is what you're talking about because yeah. it's one thing Telling somebody, but it's another thing, immersing them in, in, in one that you're doing. So I think all of these things are. It's about transparency, and it's not about, it's it's not about
0: complaining. It's about explaining. Yeah, exactly. And that can be a difficult one to sort of balance, can't it? Because when you're busy and you're stressed and you're tired, it can be tricky for it not to come across, I suppose, as moaning and complaining about it. So that must be yeah a tricky one to sort of get the point across without without coming across as complaining.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so what's, in terms of the paperwork and the deadlines and all of this, the EHCPs, what's your advice for keeping track of all of this? I have moved to an
1: electronic diary, very controversial. Once again, when I do talk to people, I, they literally hold their paper diary to them and say, I will not let it go. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying let go of your paper diary because I was that person. I was that person who, in June every year, went to some well-known stationers and actually found a chair and got all of the diaries lined up. You know, do I want ring bound? You know, what kind of, <laughs> do I want. You know, the bookmark, the little ribbon, and all of that. Some of them are so pretty as well. The, oh, and they're beauty. I mean, they that are things of beauty. Book. Um, so maybe cons- if you love your paper diary and I, I, I love stationery, consider having it alongside the reason being that i can access my diary from my phone my ipad my laptop i always have my diary with me because i always have my phone with me
0: yeah so i
1: and i can put and i can put things in well in advance for example um annual reviews i also um i'm getting really good and once again someone at a talk went. i've never thought about that and one it's just a, a simple thing If somebody wants a meeting, triage it in your mind and go, do I need to have this meeting today, this week, or can I have the meeting in two weeks? And when you get into that mindset, you go, oh my goodness, because other people have got lives and they've got schedules. So this idea of making a deadline a really short deadline we don't need to so and i put those in my diary in my electronic diary send emails out it's always put straight onto my electronic diary and people actually go yeah a meeting in two weeks would be great because it kind of once again people's shoulders go down and they they can arrange their time be it um a teacher or a parent so i think it's about looking at what you have got this week next week in in two weeks and if you have got an annual review then don't overburden yourself for for the rest of that week i mean i did two EHCP annual reviews in one day i mean why it seemed a good, <laughs> yeah. I- it seemed a good idea
0: at the time yeah and i think and we live and learn, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And- That's such good advice, Ginny, about about pacing and working out when you need to. And often people are just trying to get it off. In, if it's a meeting with a parent, perhaps they might just, they're just wanting to get it off their desk, being like, oh, I, I need a meeting. They don't necessarily mean they need it straight away either. They might want time to sort of prepare and yeah. think about it, chat to the partner, discuss things at home. But yeah, it's such a good point. Whereas, like you at first, I would have been quick to being like, oh, let's get a meeting in, let's book it in as soon as I'm available, when that might not be the right thing for everybody and that is exactly me and and I realized I if someone wanted
1: a meeting on the wednesday first thing and then I had a meeting already booked in well could I change that other one so that I could accommodate the other person and then I was like actually no yeah. and another thing for um kind of deadlines and times and meetings is um i now have some virtual meetings um parents may be having the meeting with the head in one school but I can join virtually and do you know what that's okay
0: yeah you know
1: and, and recently I did that and um it's more than okay so the idea of a hybrid meeting why why not Absolutely. you know I, I think we put pressure on ourselves like you're saying to have the meeting this week yeah. or or I've got to be there in person and we and once again, talking to Senkos, it's how we think others perceive us. Yeah. And, and, and that, is, that is, we need to consider that and go, actually, it's how we think others perceive us. Yeah. If, if, if we're looking at keeping track of um, paperwork, I have gone paperless. I do not love technology. Before COVID, I used the barter. It's in the book. I used the barter out, um, kind of people doing my technology for me, and I do their <laughs> uh, their break duty, and then and, and everything changed. So I am paperless to save me time and to make my life easier. So what I would say about keeping track of paperwork to Senkos is consider how you can not have to go to the filing cabinet to get the information that you require about a child. Think, are there other people who can help you? Admins are great because they can give you that information. If you make a template, you can have a live document on 365 or you can have something on Google. If you invest the time to learn about these things, then you get it back so many times over. So, but I think it has to be a conscious effort. When I first started being Senko at four schools, I literally had a Tesco trolley that I was literally pulling around, and I was like, right, an actual this... Tesco trolley, yeah, no, not quite. But <laughs> you, know, you know those tartan shopping, yeah, trolley? yeah, 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 yeah. trolleys. I had one of those, and uh, and I was like, right. yeah. I need i need to embrace technology and it is only to make my life easier
0: yeah it's such a good i suppose from a security point of view for like children's files and things it might be a safer option as well yeah yeah your office There's always the danger of leaving things obviously people are very good at not doing that but leaving documents out if somebody just came into your office and has a chat like from a confidential point of view
1: if you yes Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think that is really. And dip, you just do a little bit. That's the other thing I'd
0: say. Just do a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's really genuinely really really good advice. I think people listening to that are going to find that so useful. Um, if we talk about time specifically, not having enough of it, um, I know that's a huge problem for Senkos. What's your advice for any Senko listening right now who just doesn't feel like they've got enough hours in the day to get everything done?
1: Yeah. So, do one thing well when you come into role we often want to change everything well or change the things that we go oh my goodness that really isn't right so brainstorm by all means and then choose something that you want to change that you want to share with other people and for them to understand the reasoning behind it and then you'll get people on board so yes. that that is my that is my biggest um tip is to try not to kind of splatter them to do too many things because it you will not get the impact and it you just won't feel good about it whereas actually doing one thing well and seeing it go across your school that is a really, really good feeling, you know, and also to get people to be on board with you and for them to be able to give you feedback as well. I think that's an interesting one, imposing versus
0: collaborating. Yes, definitely. No, that's a really good point because yeah, you do need people to be on board with any change you make um, and for them to see the reason. If you're doing lots of things at once, it Can feel a bit disruptive and people can wonder why why all these changes are happening. And yeah, they're not gonna see the impact of them straight away. So yeah, that's that's really, really good advice. What about then? If you look back to when you started being a Senko, what do you now know that you wish you knew back then? Did that make sense? Yeah. So what yeah. yeah, if you're talking to Ginny in the past, what what would you tell her when she's starting a Senko role? Um be
1: more transparent. Yeah. With your head teachers, um, the sharing of um what you're doing, I think is so important. I used to do things, not feel I was doing enough, and then worrying what people were thinking about me, whereas now I have live documents we prioritize together,
0: yeah,
1: so it would be about having those discussions with head teachers to say what do you think so that so i'm not lonely to go i was just
0: going to say it. that it can feel like that as a senko you, you're the only one doing it in a sense and you don't feel yeah you don't feel that part of a team as much so yeah that's a very good point getting people involved and doing it together
1: yeah so i'm very much part of all of my schools as as a team member yeah. and Things like um I'm you know' I'm, I'm very much part of the pupil progress meetings, and people can ask me things and I don't know all the answers that's That's a really important one to say i I'm not an expert, I'm somebody who I'm like a magpie, Georgina. I just pick up different ideas. The biggest thing I think I would say is we're allowed to say, I don't know. But yeah. I will find out. And I constantly do that. And I think parents find that quite refreshing. Yeah. OK. She doesn't know. You know, if you don't know. Don't pretend, you know. So I had a parent who um, I'd never done any HCP before. They came mid school career. Their child came to us. And they said, we think our child needs an EHCP. And I looked at the paperwork and they said, what do you think? I said, I've never done an EHCP before, but I will look into it and we will do it together and we will timetable in meetings and we will all work together. And the child got the EHCP and she said, what I like about you, Mrs. Bootman, is you didn't fob us off.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. So don't fob people off. Maybe that's it honest yeah absolutely and I think there is a myth that SENCOs are the expert in SEND in the school and often they might not be they just they're in charge they have expertise that they've picked up like you say from things but their their role is more to coordinate it isn't it rather than to be the expert in the room and I think that sort of that shift I know it's it's it's, it's getting better I think is that shift but it's you know if all teachers happen to be teachers of SEND but yeah, I don't think that's always there. I think there's, I think there's some people that do presume that the Senko is the beacon of all knowledge about SEND. And I think
1: also just being ready to listen. Yes. You know, so much of my role is a is about listening and actually listening to understand. And sometimes people just need to offload and then we then have a dialogue and those dialogues are when think like i said at the beginning when the dots all join together yeah. it, you know it, it's about i i believe very much in flattening the hierarchy you know we we are all there to support the children together yeah and the more discussions we can have the better the outcomes will be for the children
0: absolutely which is the ultimate aim isn't it um mm-hmm. So we touched a little bit on sort of homeschool relationships when you mentioned about the parent that you're supporting and not fobbing them off at that side of things. Yeah. Why do you think homeschool relationships are so important to get right?
1: The parents are the experts about their children. Absolutely. And I provide an environment whereby they're always offered a cup of tea when they come for a meeting with me. I ensure that the environment itself is non-threatening. So um, I don't sit on the wizzy chair because it's higher. We all we all sit on the yeah. same high chairs. I'm not behind a desk because that is a physical barrier. And then when we get those dialogues going, then the trust forms and the connections. And then, then I get to know about their child. And you know, going into a meeting, I, I always talk about the uh, pogo stick story a parent had an incidental conversation with me and said, oh, my child would love to pogo stick, but I know he never will. And so um, whenever I was out on duty, this child and I, he would get the pogo stick. I think I was doing most of the pogoing, actually, but he, he <laughs> was on the pogo stick. And then I had a meeting with the parent a few months later and I said, he can pogo. He can pogo three jumps by himself. And the look... Oh joy on her face and it wasn't essentially it wasn't the fact that he was really pogoing, it was the fact that there was an individual here who had listened to what could have been seen as an incidental conversation then had formed the connection with that child and then and then that individual was joyful at what their child was able to achieve and it's when we get those connections that begin with incidental conversations, and I yeah. firmly, firmly believe in those, you know, I go out in playgrounds all the time and have these incidental conversations about the weather, what people are wearing, especially children, because they have the nicest clothes ever. <laughs> you know, then then parents then that connection is formed. I talk about the spider's web of trust that we need to find that first silk thread. The other day, a parent came up to me and I'd had an incidental conversation because I've chat with everybody in the playground. She said, You're Mrs. Bootman, aren't you? You're the same co. Um, my child is coming to school soon. And um, now I know who you are. That's great. You know, I'm happier that I can come to you and have that conversation. And I was like, That's it yeah that's it and 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 i always say the little things make the biggest difference i have one parent came up to me and said have you got a minute and when that parent who doesn't come in often says have you got a minute we really have to seriously consider finding that minute at that moment because if we don't speak to them then they won't ask us again because imagine how much they've had to go through, they know how busy we are, and yet they really want to tell us something. And yeah. it was about it was about a child having um, the uniform. They had sensory difficulties, and the uniform. They just went. I was wondering if if we can change the uniform to this so is that so is that um, this child is more comfortable. And I was like, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely and she went thank you yeah. and, I was like, and and a couple of weeks later she said the difference that has made to my child you will never realize and i just think if i hadn't found that five minutes at that time the that difference would have never happened for that child so you know and parental um, relationships with parents it's all about i talk about um putting ourselves in someone else's shoes yeah. you know follow the empathy road actually i if i'd gone to a school to have a conversation and they hadn't spoken to me i wouldn't have asked again no, you know so no, it, it 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 it's about finding those opportunities to make those relationships and then it just becomes a dialogue I also firmly believe in checking in I check in a lot with my parents Uh, you know sometimes um, via um, email or have a half an hour meeting I make parents very aware anyone who I have a meeting with how long the meeting is going to last I think that's so important Um, and also meetings might be a drop-off if that suits the parent and because I can just before the end of the day and then they pick their child up so they're all different things and it might be do you want a phone call do you want to come in and see me do you want a virtual
0: meeting what's easiest for you yeah yeah that's wonderful and you know when you were saying about that that parent coming in and just saying can I just have do you have a minute you can imagine that parent has probably had a week or two thinking about building up the courage to go and speak to somebody about this has been thinking about options has been chatting to other people saying do you think it would be okay if they didn't wear the yeah. wore a different uniform and um, the courage to actually say that as well for some people is really difficult like it must have taken a lot for her to come up to you and say that and like you say if you'd have dismissed her and said oh i'm sorry i'm busy like now that that could have yeah it's huge uh, i know Very and it's quite you. it's quite it's
1: quite from my point of view it's quite not scary but we need to find these opportunities and i know i'm in a fortunate position because i'm purely a senko but i i have had cases where um it has happened when i have been class-based and i have just gone right give me two minutes i will find somebody to take my class yeah and i will speak to you yeah. you know and the more that we get to know parents um I will I will say when I know them well okay I'll be honest do you need me to speak to you now or can this wait yeah and they will be very honest and they will say to me whether they want need the conversation now or whether it can wait sometimes yeah. I don't know if you've ever had this I have if we are inadvertently slightly dismissive whatever they were going to talk about snowballs and gets bigger and actually emotions get a lot higher everything gets heightened so I do think we do need to consider and they are because they are small conversations actually often or I'll have the first conversation and go okay I need to find out this this and this and I will we need another meeting
0: Yeah, because you know what it's like yourself, if you've got something that's bothering you, something you feel like you need to sort, if you can't get it off your chest and try and do the first step in sorting something out, it does snowball, it does get bigger, does Mm -hmm. the problem, because you start to worry what happens if they say no to this, what happens if it doesn't, you know what I mean, it does snowball and get into a bigger, and the emotions get bigger, and then the conversation would be a longer conversation potentially as well, wouldn't it, and a harder conversation. Oh, absolutely. That initial conversation where you're just trying to, yeah, problem solve. Yeah. That's so important um what what do you think the most common or what are you finding are the most common issues that are causing like difficult relationships between home and school at the moment and how can Senkos help with this
1: I think inadvertent miscommunication
0: yeah I think in the busy world where we
1: live um we can often send emails and emails can be very misconstrued uh yeah, very tone. misconstrued
0: tone and, of an email, you can read yeah. an email in d- very different ways, can't you? Depending on your own mood, I often find if yeah. I'm reading an email, if I'm in a good mood, the email might come across as being lovely. If I'm not in a good mood, that email could come across as being quite harsh. <laughs> it's yes. the same words. And I, I,
1: talk, I talk in the book about the spiky email, you know, and it's like if you receive what you perceive to be a spiky email, mm. uh, resist replying uh, via email. I say, take Good your brave pill, which take your brave pill, which isn't a real pill. I just have to tell you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, someone was once like, "Oh, what are they?" I was like, "Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <was> like <laughs> um, And consider making a phone call, which yeah. is quite scary. But in my experience, if I make that phone call, it becomes a two-way dialogue. Yeah. And I I have had an incident where I got a very spike email, and when I made that phone call it was literally a 5 minute phone call and it explained things and and everyone came out of that conversation happy with the conversation they'd had so i i think i think emails i also think and this is another interesting one is um people email at interesting hours of the day okay and I was talking to a colleague about this and they were saying about a parent email in the evening a parent emailing in the evening to their um, school email address and they were saying you know what should I do and I said if you reply to that email to that parent they will presume that you are happy to have that email dialogue going during that evening yeah I said and they said but what will they think of me and I said they will think that you are not answering emails on an evening
0: yeah that's just work in the daytime and not on an evening and I think parents often send an email in the evening because that's the only time they've got to send it rather than the presumption that someone's going to reply I've sent emails to school not because I think I want them to reply to my email that evening, but because I've been working all day, I've picked the children up from school, I've done bedtimes. Oh, I've got that problem to sort. I'll send an email. I often put, don't, not expecting you to reply right now. However, just getting this, can you look at this in the morning if you've got time sort of thing? And it is that it's the only time often for parents to be able to send an email and get it off their chest. They don't, yeah, I wouldn't have expected an email back. No. I'd been, and i have been upset. I think I'd have been worried if they'd emailed me back actually and felt really guilty myself and be like, oh no, don't email me back now. <laughs> And I think it's about owning your time. Yeah. So
1: um, someone said to me a few years ago, you know, Ginny, have your emails on your iPad on your laptop. Then you are in control of when you look at them. And yeah. I was like, okay, that's a bit scary. <laughs> and I did it. And I was like, absolutely. And I am a real fan of the schedule send button.
0: Yes, oh, I love the schedule send. I love,
1: so re, I can write an email at whatever time suits me, but my schedule send means that someone will receive it within their working yes. hours. So I think we need to own our time more because inadvertently a teacher may say, well, so-and-so, and this is, this is really interesting from your point of view as well, I think, A a parent may say, well, so-and-so sent that late at night, a parent, you know, oh, they'll be expecting a reply. And that isn't how it Mm -hmm. is. But because we are giving people, we feel that we might be letting them down if we didn't reply that evening. But then that can inadvertently cause tension because, uh, you know, because emails going backwards and forwards in an evening. So, I think that's one that we can kind of easily sort by owning our own time. I also think home and school relationships can get a little bit fraught when school goes into the meeting they want to have and they don't, they're not open to the meeting that unfolds in front of them. so I I have had meetings and I have gone in with what I thought was my agenda however the parent has needed to offload to me many many things and I had a parent new to one of my schools and I thought we were going to talk about one thing but we sat down and I say it's like an inflated balloon you know Every, you know they were telling me everything 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 and then it was like the air had gone out of the balloon and it was like that when the when the balloon just kind of <laughs> ends up on the floor and then she turned to me and she said I like you <laughs> because you listen to me yeah. and that kind of made me sad really because I thought actually as I say the parents are the ex of mm-hmm. their children <coughs> you know and we need to listen to them and the other thing is we can inadvertently go into a meeting and there is a hierarchy you know you you know think about who's going to be in that meeting does it need to be the senker the head and the class teacher and the parent that is really intimidating, that, yeah. intimidating. so who needs to be in the meeting I'm very very much an advocate for this um do I need to be in the meeting actually I don't so I won't be in the meeting yeah because 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 I don't need to be in the meeting so I think it's making sure the right people are in the meeting that um that parents are integral to the meeting and that they are actively asked their opinion and one thing I do is um I ask Anyone in the meeting, how they want to be addressed, because it's really, really important. Not just (laughs) come. Yes. No. Actually, how would you like to be? You know, how would you like to be addressed in the meeting? I think that's really, really important. And then before the end of any meeting, I always say to every person individually, "Is there anything else that you'd like to ask or or add to the meeting?" And it and I ask people in turn because the quiet voices can get lost yeah you know so and one more thing is having meetings with parents if they want to bring a friend or they want to bring grandma or granddad that used to scare me but now it's like oh my goodness all these people care about this child and they are hearing they are hearing different things and then they can go away and then they can have a conversation about it which I think is so important.
0: Yeah and also if you know if they are going into a meeting with two members of staff having an extra person with them sort of balances it out as well it feels less intimidating doesn't it if you've got someone with you like if as a Senko we've got someone with us in a sense because we might have a class teacher or the head rightly so they might want someone with them as well I think it just balances the dynamics and makes it a less stressful conversation.
1: And I think also letting them know who will be in the meeting. So that yeah. so there are surprises. And another one, I'm on a roll here. Another Wow, I'm loving yeah, this advice. Um, another one is, um, uh, if you are going to write notes at the meeting, me- tell them why you are writing the notes and be prepared to share what you're writing. Um, Dale Pickles from the SenCast he said to me, when I go into a meeting and um, there is a teacher writing notes, all I think is... What are they writing? Yeah. What are they writing? Really? What, you know, what evidence are they gaining? Yeah. Notes? I now say, is it okay if I write notes? And then I will tell them what I am writing. And actually, I would want that. So yeah. I thought that that was really good advice. And another one is, um, parents, and this really used to worry me, parents may come in with a folder or a yeah. file of information always acknowledge the folder or the file or the list they've got. I used to find that quite threatening. I don't know what I thought was in that folder, but now I say, you've brought a folder with you. Is there anything you want to share or or any any notes you've written? Do you want us to go through your notes first or do you want me to do my bit? And then we'll see what, what hasn't been answered. And I think Senkos find that quite threatening because it's easier to be in charge of a meeting, isn't it? Go through the points that you're confident with. But the moment you put it out to parents, you are more vulnerable. But what I would say is give it a little go
0: yeah but it goes back to what you're saying about the parents being the experts of their own children so if they've got a file of information for goodness sake we should be using it like it will be useful and it's it's information that we might not have that we need <laughs> to make med- yeah. the, the goal is for the children so yeah we should be using all that information and not being yeah not not being not feeling intimidated by the file and thinking that it's it's scary it's actually just extra information to help make that child have better support in school which is the ultimate game
1: and the parents are amazing at finding things out for me mm. getting information they are they are amazing but they need to feel valued like we all do we all yeah. need to feel valued in a meeting and i think the more meetings that we have where we are this open the more parents come to us and as you said Things are sorted quickly. They don't escalate yeah. because I would hope they go, "Oh, he or she's all right." Yeah, they'll, 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 they'll listen to me. So listening is is the key to to building relationships. And if there is a inverted commas difficult relationship then we as the educators need to find ways to connect with the parents and then it does happen over time
0: yeah absolutely because at the, yeah at the end of the day the parents want the same thing that, that we do so yeah. that, that relationship can grow and it can be yeah it's so uh, it's so important it's so difficult i don't i don't know if you saw a little while ago i did a tweet about um the parents being being the experts and quite often i've seen and i don't know if you've seen the same that because parents Research so much now, and they've got the internet at their fingertips. They've got books at their fingertips. It's it's brilliant, isn't it? How much information there is now out there on specific SEND. Um, mm-hmm. Parents often do know more about specific areas of SEND than we do, and I think you know I could name people just sort of the parents I know on the school run. I could name you know they are genuine experts <laughs> from the amount of research they've done on on their child or you know on dyslexia on autism whatever they genuinely will know more about it than the Senko. And that's not the the Senko Senko's fault. It's just they have had so much more, they've invested so much more time on that specific area that they do know more about that. And I think we need to work out ways to utilize that because it's a wasted resource of they've done so much research, so much reading, they've spoken to so much people. Like social media can be fantastic for learning about special educational needs going on, you know, Facebook groups that's specific to children who are autistic, for example, and they can learn so much about it. And then if we don't utilize this information, it's such a waste. Yeah, and I had um, a parent
1: came to me and their child had an additional need that I had not heard of. And I said, actually, I haven't heard of this, but I will (coughs) look into it before we meet again. And when I have meetings with parents, I always book in the next meeting because that's another thing. If you don't book in the next meeting, Suddenly, months can kind have of gone by and you haven't had the meeting. Anyway, at the next meeting, I said, I bought this book all about it. I said, it's really good. I understand it now. Yeah. And the parents' face, they were like, you've bought a book about our child's additional need? And I was like, well, yeah, because I didn't know about it and I wanted to find out about it. And they actually said, can we borrow it? I was like, yeah, of course you can. Really? But once again, it's this shoulders going down and parents going that Senko's all right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And we have it, we've spoken obviously a lot of your advice you've been giving will be inside your book as well. Um, I imagine people listening are going to be thinking, I need more information from Ginny. <laughs> so <laughs> your book, which is independent thinking on being a Senko, and it's brilliant. Where can people find it? Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about it? Because you've been very good at just giving me answers and not pitching your book. So here's your opportunity <laughs> tell us about your book. <laughs>
1: So my book came about by a series of very fortunate events in my life. Um, I have been a real advocate of independent thinking. Um, They did lots of amazing talks during lockdown, which I I listened to and they were very interactive. And then I did a guest blog for for them called um, The Fruits of Kindness. I think it was called. And... Ian Gilbert, who is at the helm of independent thinking, just got in touch and said, "Have you got? Do you want to write a book?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> uh, not, not re- Well, you'll you'll understand this. Not realizing that, that was two and a half years of my life. And It was great, it was great because in the um, Crown House, um, the publishers were so. Um, kind of personable about everything to do with the book. And it's part of the series um, of books by independent thinking. But my book is a different uh, format because um, when I was writing the book, um, Ian Gilbert was like, actually, these, these are top tips. So let's do it as numbered top tips. We decided to do it as numbered top tips. So there are 113 practical tips that I have accumulated over my time as a Senko that it was felt um would benefit other Senko's because they are little things, I hope, that can change things to make things easier for Senko's and actually to change things in a positive way for the children that, that we work with. So that, that is how the book um came about and it it's it also reflects the talks that I do. So I do lots of talks about time saving. Um, the spider's web of trust. I'm really an advocate of uh, building positive relationships with parents and families. So it, it's kind of, it's kind of me. And people who know me quite well go, oh, Ginny, it's like a silent audio book of you talking.
0: I love that I felt like when I read your book I felt like I was having a coffee with somebody who was just giving me like little bits of information really useful tips it was just like you know like a really informal chat with somebody that would that that has so much more knowledge (laughs) that can just but it didn't feel intimidating it just felt like oh oh that's a good idea and like just throwing ideas at me it was lovely I think it's a really really good book I would really recommend it yeah and
1: it's very much um it's very much as 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 I as I would speak. So when, when I do talks, people are like, "Oh, you and the book, you're you kind of the same." <laughs> like, well, that, that, that was always yeah the, the the idea. Um. So yeah, I've just been very fortunate that the book came about through you know a series of very very fortunate events
0: oh, i love that and so if people are wanting to find you and your website and all of that where where we'll put the we'll put all the links in the show notes and if anyone's listening thinking what do i mean by show notes if you just look on your phone or wherever you're listening to the podcast or if you're watching it on youtube it'll be down here but if you're on if you're listening on like apple or spotify if you scroll down on your app on your phone or on the computer you can see the links underneath so what links do you want us to share then, Jenny? Okay. So, you can buy the book from Crown House Publishing.
1: Yeah. Um, and um, if you type in when you buy it, Ginny20, that gets yep. you 20% off if you buy directly from the publishers.
0: And then um, is there an expiry on that? Just thinking if people are listening in advance, like in a, because we often get people starting at the beginning of the catalogue, still listening to Abigail Gray right at the start um, recently. So, do you know if it expires or? <laughs> It, it, it's got quite a long um, shelf life. I know Opulent. it has got a long shelf life. Um,
1: And then there are other places that you could potentially buy it, such as Amazon. It is also yep. on Amazon. You can find me at ginnybootman.com and that has got um uh, videos of other talks I've done and um, links to other articles because I've done articles for magazines. I've uh, just gone out, just got one out with Nason and Connect, um, yeah. but I've written for the Times Ed. They're all in there. And then I am also on uh, Twitter and I'm at Senco Girl.
0: Yeah. Fabulous. Thank you so much. I've learned so much. And I, I honestly think this will be such a useful episode for us, for our Sencos who are listening and for other people who aren't Sencos, but for them to understand the role and perhaps learn a little bit more about it. Thank you ever so much. Oh, it's been brilliant. Thank you so much. Wow, what brilliant advice we got there from Ginny. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure you subscribe to our channel, either on the podcast provider you're listening to or on YouTube. And do have a look at those links we've put below so you can have a look at the resources that are relevant to this episode, as well as Ginny's links to her website, etc. Thanks again for listening to Sending the Experts with me, Georgina Durrant. See you next time.